Hello. Hello, Claude. How are you? I'm doing great, Dr. Bennett. How are you? I want to welcome you back to my show. Thank you. For I feel welcome to back. By the way, I lost it on my iPhone. Can you put my show back on there, please? <laughs> I worked for the icon. I couldn't find how it. Did you, how did you listen to your show before? Was it... Um, I went to... Uh, your your, your, your It had a little story. person on it. and a little figure on it. Okay. We'll okay. look. We'll look. Anyway, welcome back to the show. I hope you can hear it. I can't. <laughs> uh, it's but you the, also... You also do the show. You host it. I do, but I don't remember what I say. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump. We take a look at the current administration. We address the existential threats to America. Joining me today is a guy I've known for a long time, Roger W. Robinson. Uh, he's the president and CEO of RWR Advisory Group. I guess that stands for Ro- Roger W. Robinson. Mm-hmm. Would, yeah. It also would stand for Ronald Wilson Reagan. Right. We'll have to ask him about that. It's a risk management and consulting firm that specializes in the intersection of global finance and national security. And that's what we're going to talk about today. China, global finance, national security. Focus of ours here. And I hope uh, many of you appreciate we're digging deep into this issue on a monthly basis, sometimes twice a month. We'll take a close look at the threat posed by China on many dimensions. First, uh, I'd like to discuss a few things. Um, Looking back, it's been a while uh, since we've talked we probably got a great reaction, didn't we, to the uh, Heather McDonald thing? Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was really something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Placido Domingo, that was really something. Anyway, we'll do that kind of special feature from time to time. Mormons in Mexico. Um, let me start with the policy side here, Claude. Uh, I've been in touch with the White House, several people, recommending that the president declare these cartels foreign terrorist organizations. They are. Yeah. They're killing our people. They are poisoning our people. You know, we have drones. We have people over there in the, in the Middle East, you know, killing people who want to kill us. We don't have any action here. Right in our own backyard, the people who are killing 70,000 Americans a year. That's that's the that's the body count now from these drugs. And it's mainly fentanyl. It's, and as far as we can tell, in terms of country uh, thoroughfare, it's Mexico. That's right here in our own backyard. Declare these uh, cartels foreign terrorist organizations. Tell the Mexican government has to cooperate, but don't expect a lot from them. Right. But just, you know, get out of the way. We'll, we'll do it. We know how to do it. We've done this before. We've done it in Colombia. Is there individual responsibility for these drug problems? Sure there is. But when you're flooded in the stuff and it's everywhere, boy, it makes it harder. Supply, huge supply creates demand. If you're around it, people are going to be susceptible to it. Weak people, people with problems, people who are looking for eyes, people who are, you know, into marijuana and decided they want to do something more anyway slow down the supply. Everything we know, the time most drugs are, is if you cut the supply, you cut you cut the use. No question about it. So let's get after them. Why do I say this? Well, it's occasioned, of course, by this horrible slaughter of these innocent Mormon family members, men, women, children, the hands of the cartel. Right. And, um, you know, they were having words. There was edginess. There were criticisms. There was, you know, exchanges back and forth. Cartel is totally at fault. But can I just say this? Get the hell out of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Take the community and get out of Mexico. Does this make any sense to you? I mean, none, none they are there none. in the in, in the Sonola cartel's territory, uh, in a state of Mexico that is very dangerous. Go back to Utah. Go back to Arizona. Arizona's countryside is pretty similar. Why would you want to be there? I mean, I know, well, this is our land. We've been there a while, and our ancestors came, and many of them came because they wanted to practice uh, polygamy, and maybe that doesn't apply anymore, but just get the hell out of there, please. Right. Yeah. 
Because, you. you know, maybe it'll be safe to go there after the U.S. cleans, cleans it out. But uh, do you agree with me? Oh, absolutely. Why, I mean, why? right now, why why in the world are you there? I mean, that's, that, that's actually maybe the second thought that came to my mind. Like, why in the world are you yeah. there? You know, and, and I think it was a thought that came to a lot of Americans' minds, but you never heard that on TV. Right. Because no one wanted to say, oh, you're blaming the victim. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, it, you know, you take your kids down there. I'm telling all my friends who vacation in Mexico, even in the, you know, the elegant parts, the fancy right. parts, the Cabos, mm-hmm. don't go. Because I think the rules are different. My my reading of the psychology of these people is El Chapo, mm-hmm. bad as he was, was like Escobar. He was a businessman. He killed when he had to, not mm-hmm. just when he wanted to. Right. He was a businessman interested in making profits. These new guys who have taken over, I think, are crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're killers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay out of Mexico. That's my advice. Impeachment. Well, you know, we're in the middle of these hearings, and, you know, they've now shifted from they don't need the whistleblower to testify. It's now going to be bribery. Uh, They're going nowhere. I don't think they're persuading anybody. I I don't know. What are you hearing? What are you you picking up? Well, so here's the thing. Um, I don't think that uh, this is doing the precedent any any good. No, of course it's not. Uh, you know, um, and I mean, on one front, it's obviously not. Right. Because it's a hit, a hit, a hit. It's sure. 20 hits a day, mm-hmm. and almost all the media is against it. Well, and the thing is, is that when you're dealing with people and you're dealing with the media that's looking for anything as proof, they're getting plenty of anything. Plenty, plenty of ammo. You know, exactly. And, um, and you know, and, and to be honest with you, uh, it's, it's even maybe a little worse than I thought. Um, prior to the hearings, you know, I was like, yeah, this is not going to do much. The moment they started, I'm thinking, well, okay, they, they, they might actually catch some traction with this. And actually, whether it's from um, impeachment to removal or affecting 2020, I think that they that they get some traction on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in, the, in the end, it may hurt them. May hurt the Dems, uh, but I don't know. It's spinning around, and you know the president tweets while the ambassador is testifying. Well, she wouldn't and, do that. Not helpful. Not smart. <laughs> no. um, I don't think they have anything of a case against him. But you know, people say, "Gee, why does he do that?" And it just turns some public opinion against him. But uh, I mean, I, I was on TV the other day. I said six words: oh, "There's no crime here." What's the crime? The key witnesses were out. They were asked, "What's the crime?" They couldn't think of a crime. Mm-hmm. Key witnesses against him. No bipartisanship. Now, with Nixon and Clinton, it was you know, strongly partisan, but there was bipartisanship. There were Democrats who were, uh, you know, very angry at Clinton and, you know, uh, you know, thought he should be impeached. And there were Republicans who were very angry at Nixon mm-hmm. and thought he should be impeached. This one is almost absolutely entirely on partisan lines. The third thing about this is I think it, I don't think I've been watching a lot of it, but, you know, I doze off and start doing other things. Mm-hmm. I don't think your average viewer is that interested. You watched a lot of it? No, 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 no. no. I haven't watched a lot of it. See, it doesn't have any drama. Right. The Nixon thing had loads of drama. You had the tapes. You had the burglary. You had the break-in. You had his White House counsel saying he said this, then he said that. None of these people talked to the president, at least so far. With Clinton, you you had the dress. You had Monica. You had, you know, sex in the Oval Office. You know, hey, let's watch this. Let's see what we find out today. And I don't mean to, 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 you know, be graphic here or to reduce it to the to the the street level. But, you know, people are interested in that kind of thing. Sure. This thing is dry as bones. It looks like a policy disagreement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about how to what kind of corruption and how to look into it. To be precise, what they're going after the president for is he said, I wish you'd look into the Biden thing. They haven't disentangled looking into the Biden aspect from the whole looking into the corruption aspect of 2016. Okay. And 
that certainly could have been part of it. I, I just I just don't think there's a convincing case. But we'll see. I, I do think the be, one of the best arguments to make to the public is, you know, we're, we're less than a year from an election. Mm-hmm. Just settle it in the election. Right, right, right. You know, really. But but the effort here is to, is to state him and to hurt him. Uh, you know, I think what he did was awkward and, you know, uh, careless in some, some degree, but not impeachable. I mean... Uh, Schiff says, you know, uh, quotes that Benjamin Franklin coming out of the Constitutional <laughs> Convention. It's a republic if you can keep it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to keep the republic because President Trump says to the new president, hey, look at the Bidens. I think they were pretty corrupt, too. Mm-hmm. I think we can keep the republic. Sure, sure, sure. So anyway, that's You were saying I, that you don't think that it's a convincing argument. Do you believe that, that they need a convincing argument given the current climate? They don't need a convincing argument for the people who hate Trump. Right. Okay. They don't need a convincing argument, and they're not going to convince anybody who supports Trump. The argument is about that 10, 15, 12% in the middle, or whoever they are, wherever they are. And I don't think they got enough to convince them. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that's coming out is the numbers in those states, those battleground states, Wisconsin, Michigan, are not supportive of impeaching and removing the president. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing that came out about some polling, and this was the president's uh, po- uh, top pollster and political advisor, uh, Brad Parscale. They polled people going to Trump rallies. I don't know if you heard this. A lot of people haven't. More than 20%, sometimes 25% of the people who go to Trump rallies identify as Democrats. I did not know that. Yeah, that is a really interesting number. Huh. Now, one other way to put this for the audience to think about, love your response, is is the numbers they're making up, Trump, in working class people, mm-hmm. Democrats, workers, laborers, union people, enough to make up for the loss of the suburban housewife. Mm. They seem to be losing a lot of the suburban housewives who are put off by his style. Right. Not that's by all, his policy. It's all style it's, points. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot of his style points. A lot of it is style points. Just, you know. But I will tell you this. I don't know how much the Elizabeth Warrens, the uh, Pete Buttigieg, I don't, uh, I don't know how much <laughs> ground they're making with the working class Democrats. They're not making much. No one's catching on. There's, there's well, no one that the party, I mean, the majority of, well, it used to be, you know, the Democrats voting base. Who, who they're excited about. There's no momentum or excitement. Well, how do we know that no one's really catching on? How do we know that? Two new guys got in the race. Right. Correct. Correct. Yes. Michael Boom Boom Bloomberg. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> he had me to one of his conferences uh-huh. to speak about education. And he, outside of the five boroughs in New York, yeah, nobody's no, no appeal. Mm-hmm. And Deval Patrick, uh, and he's an attractive guy, and he's Obama-like, African-American, you know, moderate-talking, pretty liberal, though. But they, they're seeing room for themselves, At the time which tells you there's no sale. Saw uh, some political analyst, I can't remember what paper, but mentioned that it's not too late if uh, Secretary Clinton wants to <laughs> file and get in. Well, our old friend um, Mark Penn. Mm-hmm. Still believes there's that possibility. He's very close to Clinton. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think she makes as much difference now as uh, as Bloomberg or, or Patrick. I do you believe if she if she I don't think she's that popular it, with them. But if she were to actually do it, do you think she becomes the front runner? Does no. she no. two behind Biden or I don't I don't know. And I think Warren is peaked. Okay, I think, I th- I think, I think she's so, peaked, yeah. and I think she's coming down. Someone said. Who wants a kindergarten spe- uh, teacher with a large wooden spoon, you know, banging, <laughs> you know, banging on the side of the head? <laughs> That's kind of funny. Isn't it? <laughs> because I, can uh, I, I love this stuff. Yeah. 
Buttigieg is uh, apparently ahead in Iowa. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Now, Biden, they say, is coming back, and his numbers seem pretty good. But again, if you add up the left people, Sanders and Warren and Buttigieg, mostly left, mm-hmm. that number dwarfs what Biden has. I still think the energy and punch is in the, is in the left wing, left part of the brain of that party. Um, but I'll tell you, I mean, uh, of those candidates, I think, you know, if I were voting in a Democrat primary, I'd vote for Buttigieg before I'd vote for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, when it comes to the impeachment uh, hearings, and these are impeachment hearings, I don't care what you call them technically, uh, I a couple of things. Um, Democrats very consistent. They're out for Trump. That's all, no matter what happens. Uh, Republicans, uh, good to bad. Uh, I think the special counsel, this guy Castor, is no help. I think he's awkward, fumbling, and often counterproductive, but more than outbalanced uh, by uh, the excellence of Jim Jordan, who, boy, has really been terrific, bulldog, tenacious, tough, smart, to the point. He has been, I think, the star questioner here. Uh, Devin Nunes I like, but I think he's a little off. and Too much sarcasm, doesn't play well. The directness of Jordan I think is great. The wrestling coach there, the jock mm-hmm. is coming through. And the other person is Elise Stefanik from New York, I think the youngest uh, member there on the Republican side, woman. Uh, she is uh, terrific and been very clear and pointed and uh, has a future. Good for, good for her. I think she's really done an excellent, uh, excellent job. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right, let's welcome Roger Robinson, Jr., President and CEO of RWR Advisory Group. Roger, welcome back to the show. Hey, pal, how are you? All right, how are we doing? Just well. Uh, not perfect uh, on the cap market front. Uh, they, uh, the Thrift Savings Plan Board uh, reaffirmed yesterday that they were standing by their guns Oh, and man. we're going to transition those funds to the index that would put those Chinese and Russian bad actors uh, into the 5.7 million federal employees of this country. Tell us what that means. Um, you know, you just you just jumped into the punchline, which is fine. But uh, back up and, and, and tell folks what's going on here in the broad picture, 30,000 feet. You bet. Um, Bill, The we have a real challenge on our hands. The... Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board, which is a complicated long name for the board that administers the thrift savings plan of 5.7 million federal employees with $578 billion of retirement funds under management, has made a decision in uh, November of 2017 to move the entire international stock portfolio of the Federal Thrift Savings Plan from a fund that was investing in developed country companies only, no emerging markets, most notably no China, Russia, to a new fund called the MSCI All Country World X United States Index. Long name, but the net effect is that as the emerging markets, and it not only adds China and Russia, but a number of egregious bad actors, uh, national security and human rights abusers, into the portfolios of those federal employees that want any international exposure 
in their in their re- retirement accounts. So that's $50 billion involved. And uh, most federal employees, as you can imagine, want a diversified portfolio. They want some kind of international exposure. Uh, that's natural enough. But there's only one choice, which is you sign on to these kinds of bad actors uh, the minute that you sign on to an international uh, stock position with your own thrift savings plan. Who is making these decisions? Well, you have a informal quasi-independent board. When I say informal, these are part-time folks, mainly Wall Street mavens, um, that are administering this, this board. There are five of them, as I mentioned, and four are Democrats left over, I believe, from the Obama administration, one Republican there. And it frankly wasn't noticed by the administration. Uh, it's a out-of-the-way kind of structure here. It's not front and center. It doesn't get a lot of press, to putting it mildly. And uh, it wasn't really understood what kind of insidious role they could play if they chose to do so. And uh, just yesterday, that board reaffirmed its determination to go forward with the MSCI All Country World Index, with all of those perilous downside risks and really outrages for the American federal employees, uh, independent of the fact that there's been excruciating pressure put on them on a bipartisan basis by members of the Senate in particular, as well as the Secretary of Navy of the United States, Newt Gingrich, many of our friends uh, have weighed in and yet to no avail. And this means, plain language, that funds that people have put aside for retirement, federal workers, will be used to invest in, strengthen the hand of Russia and China? That's correct. And in the case of China, advanced weapons manufacturers, uh, proliferators of ballistic missiles, uh, you have PLA, People's Liberation Army companies, uh, you've got South China Sea illegal island builders, you've got those companies that are supporting the North Korean threat, known hackers, companies that have been already charged with espionage, sanctions violators, actually Chinese and Russian companies under active U.S. sanctions are in the list of the companies that, again, every federal employee with any international exposure will hold in their personal portfolios with their own dollar retirement accounts uh, if this decision is allowed to stand and be implemented as it's planned to be in February 2002. What does that mean? Uh, 2020. What does that mean, Roger Robinson, allowed to stand? Who can stop it? Can the president stop it? Can the Congress stop it? Well, the, co- the president can stop it in a couple of ways. Uh, the International Emergency Economic Powers Act is the ultimate tool. Uh, this is a, a, an authority that is limitless uh, in terms of uh, economics and finance. The president could uh, easily make a determination that this is simply not going to happen. And he deliber- he personally is able to stop this in its tracks. Uh, the other um, avenue would be an executive order, which similarly would have the president's authority in a position to stop this from happening. Uh, the Congress has already introduced legislation, bipartisan, including, you know, Gene Shaheen, senator from New Hampshire, a Democrat, Gillibrand, uh, also a Democrat. In other words, a bipartisan legislation that would forbid the transitioning of that $50 billion 
from developed countries only to uh, those emerging market countries that include uh, Chinese and Russian companies and the bad actors involved. Two Washington questions. So if you voted on it in the Senate, you could get a majority killing this thing. Can you get a vote on it in the Senate? Yes. I mean, you, you, would, you would be able to have, in my opinion, uh, veto-proof bipartisan legislation. I think the issue here is timing. You know how long it takes to get a bill like this together. Uh, There's a companion uh, House bill being introduced by Mark Meadows, and I think that it likewise will attract uh, Democratic support, just as it has in the Senate. And why? Listen to this, Bill. One of those companies is Hike Vision. It's on the entity list of the United States, the blacklist of the Department of Commerce. Its parent company is on the blacklist, and it is the poster child of human rights abuses of those concentration camps holding over a million Uyghurs in the Xinjiang province of China. They have their surveillance cameras every few meters atop the walls of those concentration camps. These are human rights abuse enablers. And the same is true with uh, facial recognition technology that's used to train stations to pick up Tibetans. Man. All right. So who's... Who, who does this audience write? Who do we call? Who's moving the ball here? Who's got the ball? Who's, uh, who's in charge? Who's running the things? Well, I think that there are two places to go. Uh, I don't, I've kind of given up on the, uh, on the Thrift Savings Plan board itself. They are committed to their course of action and are largely wholly owned subsidiaries of Wall Street. And you know who uh, tends to uh, call the shots for Wall Street to, uh, to a, uh, a very unnerving degree is Beijing itself, who is playing hardball on this just like they did with the NBA. They're intimidating those Wall Street firms into making sure that they stay the course and move their companies into the portfolios of most, if not all, federal employees. I want to come yeah. back to that point about the, the pressure of China, NBA, and otherwise in, in a second and have you unpack that. But tell us uh, who the champions are or who are the people we should reach out to. Well, I think that uh, the president himself uh, needs to hear from his base. He needs to hear from uh, the uniformed military that are going to be unwittingly in, uh, investing in the weapons designed to take them down and their colleagues. Uh, th- this is a, a good place to start. Amazing. Secretary, Pomp- Secretary Pompeo should be apprised of this. Secretary Esper the Secretary of Defense. After all, the Secretary of the Navy did an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal on this subject expressing utter outrage over the fact that this could be permitted to happen. So I think the military, the State Department, the White House itself, as well as support for uh, both Marco Rubio and his efforts, as well as uh, Senator Gene Shaheen of New Hampshire, who's standing with him on the other side of the aisle. I think these are the types of people Rubio and Shaheen, good. Now let's back up, Roger, because I read your wonderful uh, Imprimis uh, speech uh, presentation. We're going to put a link up to it on our site. Really an excellent piece. But let's just pick up on one part of this. The influence of China on Wall Street, or more broadly, the influence of China on decisions made in the United States by business, corporations, Wall Street, etc. How did this come to be? Why is this country which is, in my view, a mortal enemy, but certainly seeking dominance uh, over the United States in, in so many ways, whether it wants military dominance or not. How did it get to be so powerful, and how did we let that happen? 
You have to go back 20 years, Bill. We never put up a screen over our cap markets, our capital markets of any kind. We never did any, performed any diligence on national security grounds or those of human rights abusers. We never had anything like the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States and the FIRMA legislation that reinforced that initiative, which, as you know, screens uh, foreign Chinese investment in the United States to make sure they're not up to nefarious activities that are detrimental to our security interests. We have no such thing. So for 20 years, China has had an absolute free lunch program. The Securities and Exchange Commission never regarded national security abuses and human rights abuses as material risks, even requiring disclosure. So these, these, these activities of these companies aren't even disclosed in the risk section of prospectuses and SEC filings. They have fallen down on the job, very frankly. And, and so that's how we got here. And now it's a matter of the same kind of Beijing arm twisting. Do you know how much money they have in our markets now? As much as $3 trillion have been taken out of the portfolios of American investors into China to fund the Chinese Communist Party and its predations. No wonder they have a limitless checkbook for nation capture and uh, the kind of regional penetrations they've they've been able to perpetrate in Africa and elsewhere. Not to mention that massive military buildup. Who do we think's funding that? Do we um, were we distracted by I know, the beginning of your piece? Is what I'm referring to? Were we distracted because lulled into focusing on Russia, Soviet Union? Meantime, China was building up this uh, huge. Uh, uh, arsenal of, uh, of 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 effort, uh, investment, military capability, etc. Were we looking in the wrong place? Well, we this was post Soviet Union, so I go back to, uh, on this issue to 1999, and prior to the late 90s, Bill, they really weren't in our capital markets with stocks and bonds as the new big thing uh, to any uh, to any appreciable degree. All of this has happened in, say, the past 20 years, when they've made, taken their biggest state-owned enterprises, they went and put out initial public offerings, they started to list on U.S. exchanges. There's at least 86 Chinese companies in the New York Stock Exchange, about 65, 70 in NASDAQ, but over 500 in the very poorly regulated over-the-counter market, which defies any kind of scrutiny. Naturally, they hung out there. So that's what we what we've missed, and now they've been able to take out. They've been able to to develop such a formidable position in our stock and bond markets that if we if it goes unchecked in the next twenty four to thirty six months, they'll take out two to three trillion more and have that in the that kind of exposure in the investment portfolios of the American people. That could mean that. 17, 22, 25, or more percent of the portfolios of up to 150 million Americans are in Chinese securities. 25? You, you could have 17, 22, 25 percent of the total retirement and investment portfolios of the about 150 Amer- million Americans who are in our capital markets. That's just a rough guess as to who, how many are in there. But this is the kind of number where they might be dependent, or that might be the number of Chinese securities that are in their total investment and retirement portfolios. Just imagine 
if that's the case, then all of those scores of millions of Americans have a vested financial interest in ensuring that there are no penalties, no future sanctions against China, irrespective of the severity of their offense. Right, because you don't want to lose your investment. You don't want to lose your income. Yeah, yeah. My gosh. Um, Man, uh, frightening, frightening. Um, Is there another route? Is there another way to take this on? You talked about Senate, the president. Um, You know, I I think for a lot of people, your colleague Brian Kennedy told me about this and and then recommended we talk to you about it. I'm glad he did. It was news to me. And I'm, you know, I I follow stuff pretty closely. I'm sure this well, is no, news to a lot of yeah. people listening. It's it's never seen the light of day, uh, and uh, frankly, you know, I uh, we started to release our research. We've been looking at this for two to three years. We have been doing a large study for the government. Uh, nothing really happened with that study, so we started to release our data in May, and everything has stemmed from from that data in the sense that we're the first to publish these facts. And again, these are not opinions. This is empirical fact. And these these kind of naming the companies, uh, doing the risk profiles as to who they really are, and who's holding them. The 50 state public pension systems, uh, almost all of the states, yeah. all of the university endowments. Yeah. I mean, just imagine the level of penetration that's taken place here. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, I, I'm just curious, just in my, my business, my craft, is there a talk show host? Is there a columnist? Is there a, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, one thinks of uh, you know the the uh, campaigns of people, editorial writers at the uh, New York Times. Who's the guy who uh, always writes? Liberal guy always writes about human rights in Africa and so on. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I mean, cru- uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Nicholas, Nick Kristoff. That's right. Is there someone who's made this their passion? Conservative, liberal, I don't care. But uh, who's been writing about it? Whose work we should could could look at or. Um, Answer that and then tell me what uh, the group uh, that I'm part of, that you're part of, and our friend Brian Kennedy's part of, uh, Committee on the Present Danger, China. Well, yeah, I would say that the there, there are some journalists that are seized with this. The good news is there have probably been at least 20, if not more, mainstream media pieces on this since we started to release the data since May. There have probably been about four or five uh, CNBC segments covering Rubio alone, uh, the New York Times, uh, Anna Swanson, uh, Bloomberg, uh, Jenny Leonard has been a star on this. Good, good, uh, good. And, and uh, uh, Reuters, uh, uh, you have on the FT side, James King and uh, Dimitri uh, Sevastopoulos, uh, their bureau chief in Washington. Right. These folks have been championing this issue uh, uh, because they know that it crosses the political spectrum in this country. For those that aren't seized with national security, they are seized with the human rights abuses and vice versa. Sure. What about the president's uh, trade team, Um, Lighthizer and others? I mean, he's got this trade team set up to deal, you know, and address China. They're presumably aware of all this, right? Well, yes, but they're busy guys, and you can imagine they're up to their necks and alligators there. So... Uh, but Peter Navarro's familiar with this, uh, uh, and I think seized with this. I think that uh, Larry Kudlow has been briefed on this and is working 
this issue. It's it, the administration is increasingly alert uh, to this problem, and it takes a while because again, it's a new issue. Uh, even though it's uh, at a very mature and perilous state, it's new uh, nonetheless. And so it's taking a while to get acclimated, uh, but I'm confident that the administration uh, will, and the president himself, will uh, step up to this uh, because, again, we, I, I don't think he wants anything like this on his watch. And, uh, it's, and if, when you look at Wall Street, we should get back sometime, if not now, later, to talk about the arm twisting that's going on from China to them. Yeah. Do you know why these huge index funds like MSCI uh, are buying uh, hundreds of Chinese companies, not buying them, but adding them to their index, uh, right out of the mainland exchanges, circumventing SEC regs? There's no PCAOB auditing. There's no compliance with Sarbanes-Oxley or Dodd-Frank. There's no... Uh, there's no even disclosure of the financials of those companies because they're regarded as state secrets. In other words, China's receiving preferential treatment over their American corporate counterparts. Just think about that. They're not following the rules. They're not in compliance with the federal securities laws of this country, and they've been given a pass. They've been given a free ride. The SEC has dropped the ball, and this is the pathetic circumstance that's resulted from it. How are they pushing them out? By muscle? By money? By bribery? By by what? Well, they told the uh, you know they told MSCI, and, and I think was which was originated at least by Morgan Stanley that they could probably, according to an editorial, not an editorial, an article in the Wall Street Journal, which said that. Uh, China made plain after MSCI stonewalled this for a couple of years that they could forget about future business in China if they didn't start adding these big numbers of Chinese companies into the MSCI. Now, I'm just quoting a Wall Street Journal article here. This is not my personal accusation because I don't have firsthand knowledge, but it certainly sounded very NBA to me, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, yeah, go, go ahead and, 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 and tell us more about this influence on Well, the, the, the indexes are the most insidious. I mean, what's, it, what's it's an index. It's, what's an index? Well, an index is uh, it's, it's kind of a passive investment vehicle. You have an index provider that picks a number of stocks that are going to, in their view, perform well. Uh, they then that index is uh, sponsored by uh, uh, an exchange-traded fund or some other asset manager fund whereby they create a fund that's investable and uses the index as the benchmark. In other words, they'll buy those stocks in the index and create a fund around it, quite literally. And that's the new game in town. There are more passive investment vehicles now through indexes than there are actively managed portfolios, that is, picking stocks the old-fashioned way. So the game has changed. It's all about indexes. And yet, unfortunately, there's trillions of dollars of funds under management that are slavishly and reflexively buying the stocks based on these indexes, and there's been no diligence and nobody knows what China, who these Chinese companies are and their subsidiaries. Nobody's looking for these kinds of track record of abuses in national security and human rights. And as a consequence, China has been able to flood our markets 
with these kinds of bad actors. Yeah, one thing though does so does seem to stand out that's the same, which is the lure of the Chinese market. We'll we'll make sure you're never doing business in China. I can't tell you how many times this has come up in the last ten or fifteen years for me, just doing a radio show where. You know, I remember one one day, Roger. We I may have told you about this some time ago, but uh, I said, anybody out there, you know, try to do business with China, and we had nothing but calls for three hours. Yeah, we did. We because why? Because you look at the numbers. Everybody looks at the numbers, Roger. <laughs> right. One point two billion, whatever it is. You know, how many how many people there? One point three or four. Yeah, yeah, one point three or four billion. Man, if I could just sell one widget to every fifty people. Exactly. You know, and exactly. so and then and then we asked people when they said that, said how'd it go? And you know, ninety six percent of them said, Well, you know, they didn't really come through. They hedged, they lied, they cheated, they never paid up and so on. I had my own experience, this audience has heard it, but I don't know if you had it. My my overseas uh uh, agent, uh, sold my book, The Book of Virtues. You may remember this book I did. Uh, of course I do. And they sold it to China, and uh, I didn't realize it. I said, fine, because my eyes lit up. Wow, well, maybe I can sell 100 million copies, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And they need it. I figured it would be good for them, right? Especially if, you le- your if, life. if their leaders read it. Well, they didn't tell me, of course, is that they um, uh, they took out the last chapter, which was faith. They just took that out. Didn't know right. that. And then... I got a royalty check for, I think, $320. Friends of mine who are lawyers are looking into this, and they tell me they estimate about a million and a half copies of this book uh, under different titles and different names and different things were, were sold in China. Never saw no, never saw the return. Very typical Chinese behavior, right? Indeed. It's just a counterfeit capital of the world. Uh, they, they, when you're not getting your st- technology stolen, you're being yeah, you're basically ripped off. ripped off in some other way. You can bet on that. But this is this is part of the, the uh, incentive is that nobody wants to tick China off because everybody sees it as the as payday, right? Oh, yeah, but particularly Wall Street where yeah. they really are yeah. making big fees. Sure. And, you know, it's a, it's a bonanza for them. But think about what this is costing us. The, the, you, you look at the sophistication of their military today. They're becoming a pure competitor with, you know, hypersonic weapons, rail guns. In other words, very advanced, the most dangerous types of weaponry imaginable are now within their capability. Uh, these guys are not uh, tipping in to their three trillion in reserves. They're not dipping into their one point one trillion in in uh, treasury bills. No. Where are they getting that walk around dollars? Their money. currency is not convertible. Our money, our money. And, you know, thank you very much. That's exactly where God Look, knows. the American capital markets have six over 60 percent of the world's liquidity. Our markets are roughly the size of the rest of the world's combined. This is our money. And I'm telling you right now, there is nowhere else for them to go. If we would just enforce our existing federal securities laws, if the SEC would do its job and ensure that every American sees who these folks are and the risks that they present to share value and corporate reputation and, as a consequence, risk to those American investors, we can start to really turn this thing around quickly. But to date, Wall Street has stayed our hand. And look at that board, the Thrift and Cent- uh, the, th- the Federal uh, uh, Thrift Savings Plan Board. Look at look at what they did. Did they go with the Secretary of the Navy? Did they go with all those veterans groups that have weighed in, uh, pleading with them 
not to put the PLA into the into their personal portfolios? No, they went with Wall Street because that's where they're going to return or actually live today, and that's where they're going to prosper. It's just moi the deluge. Uh, can I have another yacht, please, for my home in the Hamptons? This is the rope uh, Lenin was talking about, right, that we fashion for our own hanging. Well, this is a this is the classic case. And more importantly, Bill, this isn't just another issue. This is the mother load. The reason that you haven't heard about this issue, no Americans heard about this before March of this year when we started to release this data and our research. Amazing. Well, good. You, know, you know, listen to this. This is it. This isn't. Look, they want us to focus on the shiny object of trade. They're unhappy with our focus on technology, to be sure. But one thing they can't afford, they can't afford for us to ever focus on the cap markets and the money. They live or die there. They live or die in the conversation that we're having now. Take it for some, from somebody who has been to this rodeo before with a, with a group called the Soviet Union. Yeah, you As you know, I fashioned the strategy I to sure take do. down the hard currency cash flow sure and the credits that kept them on life support. And you know the result. Yeah. This is that category. No, you're, you're a hero, Roger. You're a hero. Two last things. What, what should people do? Educate themselves, obviously, which I think this is hopefully contributed to. What else should people do who are listening? They should be going to their fund managers, their financial planners, their pension systems, even if it's the state uh, or a federal empl- uh, their federal employees, and say, uh, ask the demand to know the question, do I hold any Chinese companies in my portfolio? And if so, which ones? Because uh, do, do, they're not going to be able to tell you. I mean, they don't know which ones. Okay. Uh, then, then you ask, do, oh, do I have any sanctioned Russian companies? Well, they've never been asked that question. In other words, you're going to find out real quick that nobody's able to give you good answers because there's been no diligence whatsoever performed. We need to go, we need to, go to state legislators about the state public pension systems and say, where's yes, the screen? Yes, yes, good. And we need to go to the SEC. Where's the screen? Why aren't you folks doing your job? In other words, why, are, why is it up to me to protect myself isn't that the federal government's job? Good. Isn't that the state government's good, job? Good, yeah. Tell me finally, um, you mentioned the president. Do you have any sense, uh, any intimations that he is uh, aware of this? Yes, uh, I do have a sense that, that he is and that he's given an okay, apparently, for, uh, I think, an interagency group, which is meeting periodically uh, to start to get their arms around this issue, including uh, the federal thrift savings plan uh, dimension. Uh, the president hasn't spoken to this issue publicly, so we're doing a little bit of reading of tea leaves here. Uh, I can't speak authoritatively to what he knows and what he doesn't know, but I can tell you this. If he knew in the starkness of the facts that we're talking about now, he would be very animated on this because, again, we're talking about possibly as much as $3 trillion already taken out of our markets that could have gone into American economic development and jobs. Amazing. We're talking about $3 trillion more in the next 24 to 36 months. And that lobby that we talked about that puts us in checkmate till the end of time is the one that, that could eventuate that soon. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thanks to the committee uh, and uh, 
Very much appreciate it. When you have uh, more news on this, please let us know. We'd love an update, okay? You bet, Bill. Thanks so much Thanks, for that. Thanks, Roger. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to BillBennettShow.com and follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. Like me on Facebook to search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. Week.